What's up, everybody? We are live again. Well, in the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, in Justice Clarence Thomas's concurrence, he brought up gay marriage, gay sex, and contraception, and whether we should revisit those issues. I was actually shocked to see the headlines, and when I read exactly what he said, it was true. And we'll we'll show you exactly what he said. So this weekend, this past weekend, Chicago's mayor, Lori Lightfoot, had some very strong words for Justice Clarence Thomas in reaction to what he said. Here's what she said at a Pride event in Chicago. If you read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said, thank you, fuck Clarence Thomas. Oh, you Yeah, and that's uh so she's uh she is saying F Clarence Thomas and um she's seeing it as a threat to seriously take our rights. He's talking about revisiting the uh ruling that legalized gay marriage. And um back in May when this um Supreme Court decision leaked, she said, quote, to my friends in the LGBTQ plus community, the Supreme Court is coming for us next said Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago. She said, quote, this moment has to be a call to arms, a call to arms. So LGBTQ is grabbing their guns. Well, that's going to be harder given what Joe Biden just signed into law this past weekend. It's one of the many important things we're being distracted from amid this debate about uh, civil rights issues now. Uh, major freedoms are on the line. And it's just really interesting timing in regards to Roe versus Wade and at why on earth would Justice Thomas bring up things like gay marriage, gay sex, and contraception to get everyone in a tizzy while extremely important things, freedoms, are being stripped away, including the First Amendment, Second Amendment, privacy in regards to government surveillance of every individual. These are some things I'm going to break down, details about how our First Amendment, Second Amendment are being taken away, and government surveillance is just rationing up. Okay, those are all things that are happening now while we debate over contraception and gay issues. But this is indeed something that the Supreme Court Justice wrote, so... Before I read you exactly what he wrote and, and people's very interesting reactions to this, um, shout out to the sponsor of my coverage, which is preparewithivory.com. Uh, emergency food stockpiles. Great time to get that right now. We are in strange, strange times and the supply chain and food supply are ridiculous. So link down in my description, uh, gives you $150 off a three month three months, three month supply of emergency food kits. I've got some of the bags of emergency food. So it's, it's two, um, one month is two buckets of, of all of these foods, which each one of these bags provides many meals. Um, so it's great. And I've cooked the food. It's very delicious. So I highly recommend my Patriot supply link down below, prepare with ivory.com. My link locks in your discount. Okay. So I want to read you some very interesting reactions 
from my audience to what Clarence Thomas is saying. And I'll read you exactly what he's saying after this. And let me know your thoughts on all this. So abortion has is now no longer considered a constitutional right. It's very, very hard to get an abortion now in Texas, where I live, um, after a law was passed last year, banning it after six weeks. Other states, it's still free and accessible, including Chicago, uh, Illinois, where, where Lori Lightfoot is the mayor. She actually just over the weekend, I believe it was this morning, she committed to allocating $500,000 in taxpayer dollars to help fund out-of-state abortions. She wants to use the money uh, from hard, hard-earned money of, of Chicagoans, if, I'm, if that's how you say it, um, to help pay for hotel stays, um, the, the operation, and the aftercare when a woman flies up from Texas to get an abortion in Chicago. That's in, in addition to the governor of uh, Washington state saying he is allocating a million dollars in taxpayer funds to help with an influx of people seeking abortion in Washington, where um, Washington is going to keep abortion legal. It's basically illegal in Texas, you know, after six weeks, you can't do it. So, um, so these people in the blue states are making sure that they can literally their government is now paying for the abortions. Um, it's, it's one thing if you, if you pay for it yourself, but the taxpayers are now having to fund abortions in some of these blue states, very interesting times. Um, so, so that just happened and Clarence Thomas bringing up next on the chopping block, perhaps, you know, he's, he's saying, let's, let's seriously discuss this gay marriage, gay sex, and contraception. So in reaction, uh, one of my viewers writes, Republicans are on a fast track to lose this slam dunk, slam dunk election coming up. I'm a conservative independent. And when I hear no abortion for rape in South Dakota and revisiting gay marriage, they're making it really hard to vote for them if they start doing what the left is doing, overreaching. I was 100% with the Republicans after the new, the pandemic hysteria. And now I'll put myself at 80%. Stick to maintaining freedoms and the economy. Stop with the social stuff. Many of us are not on board with this trajectory. That is from uh, my viewer named April. And this is a very valid point. The, the fact that, um, you know, this is, um, this is the conservative. There's, there's liberal government overreach and then there's conservative government overreach where the government reaches into your personal life where you're making a decision about the way you want to live your life that does not impact other people. And the government is saying, we don't, we don't want you to be able to make your own decision about how, how you live your life that doesn't impact other people. Okay. And, uh, Abortion is one thing because it does, many people believe abortion impacts other people, namely the little person you're killing when you abort the baby, right? Gay marriage is a mutual agreement between two consenting adults. So why, why should the government say no? So she's saying, dude, I might, I might just not vote Republican after all. If you guys are messing with this government overreach, jumping in the personal business of two consenting adults. Um, so I just think it's very interesting timing 
that this is coming up when Republicans were sure that they had a slam dunk election win this fall. I mean, uh, uh, Republicans who think that election anomalies don't happen, but a lot of us know that election anomalies do happen. I'm saying it in code words right now, but the system is corrupted AF. So I don't know. Now people, all of this, all of this BS that just developed over the weekend is causing a lot of people who said, dude, I'm going to switch parties because Democrats are nuts in regards to the pandemic. They're changing their mind now and saying, actually, Republicans are acting a little nuts too. Um, and this April girl is saying, I'm not so sure I was going to re- vote Republican. I'm not so sure. Um, this, uh, my viewer Susan says, quote, I figured that he, Clarence Thomas was one of the remaining jurists that might be innocent of the elite's games. While I think Roe versus Wade should have always been a state's issue, I am suspicious as to why they overturn it now at such a pivotal time in this dystopian great, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, reset on YouTube. Um, it should have, it should have done before. Okay. I think that's a typo should have been done before she's saying. So now why, when the country is about to plunge into some difficult times ahead, likely resulting in riots within the next six months for one thing, she says, now he says this, that really seems like a deliberate attempt to stoke the fires of civil unrest and distract us from some agenda actions being carried out. Perhaps he is just another player in this world of lies and deception and division we live in. Very interesting thoughts she has. I mean, I, I apparently he was one of the Supreme Court justices who decided December 8th of 2020 to say that the group of states that were suing key swing states in regards to the election didn't have, you know, a cause, a, a, a cause to stand on. Um, the election there, there were major issues with that election in 2020. Okay. We're not allowed to talk about it on YouTube, but people who've paid attention to any evidence know. And that is the reason a group of us states sued key swing states in December, 2020, the Supreme court tossed that case out right away saying that, well, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to the states that are suing. Yeah, it did. It did, obviously, to anyone who looked at it. So the fact that all the justices wanted to throw that out makes me not trust the Supreme Court justices. Um, At best, they are skittish and don't have a backbone in regards to potential riots. The the thought was that, oh, they threw out that, that election case because it would have caused riots, riots in the streets. And they were scared of that. Well, what the Supreme court justices are messing with right now shows that they're not too concerned about riots because they know that cases like this are going to lead to a lot of protests. So why did they throw out that 2020 case um, in regards to the election? Can we trust what the Supreme Court's up to? Susan has a valid thought on this. Very interesting timing as well. And Autumn says, government needs to stay out of people's marriage, hence protect everyone's rights. Marriage is entirely different than abortion. Exactly. 
um, freedom to live your life the way you see fit, as long as it doesn't interfere with another person's freedom to do the same. Okay. If you approach freedom in that way, freedom as mentioned in the 14th amendment, um, well, in abortion, again, you're taking away someone else's freedom and their life, their free, their life and liberty, namely the babies that you're killing. But in regards to marriage, two consenting adults, they want to do that. She's saying, hey, we have the freedom to do that. So why are you trying to infringe on that? And then um, Brendan has interesting insight. Quote, from a legal perspective, uh, Clarence Thomas is correct. Substantive due process is what leads to the arbitrary creation of rights, like the right to abort a child. I believe if any of those rulings were to be examined again, they wouldn't be overturned, more so corrected. Obergfell, which is the ruling that legalized gay marriage in 2015, uh, would most likely be rewritten into a mostly equal protections argument, so it would be upheld, he says. Um, and Nova says they should have left left it at civil union the first time marriage comes with a tax rate and that tax rate can encourage or discourage childbirth and when you give it to gay couples you're just balancing the scales in a really stupid way all right so i mean the government makes a lot of money off of off of marriage okay so travis says our mistake was allowing marriage to go through the government all same-sex couples should be limited government libertarians. Government should have zero to do with marriage. Interesting comments. Why the heck is government involved in people's personal lives like that in the first place? Um, I want to show you guys exactly what Justice Clarence Thomas said, which I have linked um, the Supreme Court opinion in my description. If you guys want to read through it yourselves, um, Page 119 is is the key part. Um, Justice Clarence Thomas's concurrence. So he says the court today declined to disturb substantive due process uh, jurisprudence generally, or the doctrine's application in other specific contexts. By the way, I'm bringing up specifically the part where he talks about gay marriage, gay sex, and um, contraception. So he says cases like Griswold versus Connecticut, that was in regards to contraception. Lawrence versus Texas, that's in regards to gay sex. And Obergfell versus Hodges, that's in regards to gay marriage, are not at issue, he says. Oh, thanks, Thomas. Why'd you bring them up in the first place then? He goes on to say, the court's abortion cases are unique and no party has asked us to decide whether our entire 14th Amendment jurisprudence must be, be preserved or revised. Then why'd you bring it up? <laughs> he says, uh, thus, I agree that nothing in the court's opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. For that reason, in future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process uh, Precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergfell. Again, the uh, contraception uh, decision, the uh, gay sex decision, and the Obergfell decision. He's saying we should reconsider those. 
He says, quote, because any substantive due process decision is, quote, demonstrably erroneous, we have a duty to correct the error established in those precedents. After overruling these demonstrably erroneous decisions, the question would remain whether other constitutional provisions guarantee the myriad rights that are substantive due process cases have generated. For example, we could consider whether any of the rights announced in this court's substantive due process cases are privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States protected by the 14th Amendment. To answer that question, we would need to decide important antecedent questions, including whether the Privileges or Immunities Clause protects any rights that are not enumerated in the Constitution, and if so, how to identify those rights. That said, even if the clause does protect unenumerated rights, the court conclusively demonstrates that abortion is not one of them under any plausible interpretive approach. That's what he had to say. Um, yes, it protects unenumerated rights, in my opinion. We have the right to live our lives however we want. Government doesn't need to enumerate every little right as long as we are minding our own business and not infringing in someone else's freedom to mind their own business and live their life exactly as they see fit too. That's how I feel. How do you guys feel? That was, so that was kind of strange. Um, so it was the, the three issues he brought up were, um, so the contraception ruling, uh, was a 1965, uh, Supreme Court decision that basically said, no, the police can't just raid your home and see if you have contraceptives in your bedroom as a married couple. That's a little freaking invasive of your privacy. So they banned that back in 1965. And then in uh, 2003, uh, the Supreme Court said that states cannot make gay sex illegal. This after a case in 1998 here in Houston, Texas, where I live. Uh, 1998, some chick calls the cops on two gay guys who live nearby, I guess. She says that it, she, she mentioned something about a gun. And so police show up and instead find two gay guys having sex and they arrest them and charge them um, with having sex as gay people. And those two guys took it to court and said, this is ridiculous that we're being actually charged and fined for having gay sex. And they took it all the way up to the Supreme court and won. And the Supreme court said, no, states can't ban gay sex. Again, a uh, freedom to live your life as you see fit, as long as you're not interfering with someone else's freedom to live their life as they see fit. So there you go. And then uh, in 2015 gay marriage ruling happened where Supreme Court said that states can't ban gay marriage. And so Clarence Thomas, I guess, is, you know, saying, should we send this back 
to the states where some some states could ban gay sex and gay marriage. Why why would you give your government the power to interfere in your personal life that much? Look, I'm one of the straightest people you're, you'll meet, but giving you know the government that that much power to interfere in your personal life that sets a horrible precedent. That says that gives the government the power to say, "Hey, well, you know, we had to we we got to interfere in your love life, so we also got to interfere in all your medical decisions and whatever else." Like, dude, we got to fend off government growth. Okay, so what Clarence Thomas is talking about? is not comfortable to me. And this is all highly distracting from other major issues that are happening. Oh, and by the way, marriage licenses to begin with, why do we have marriage licenses? I understand it's it's helpful as part of the contract um, between two people deciding to get married, but the government is making bank off of that and also tracking you. Um, Getting filing for a marriage license, I think you have to pay like $200 to get it. And then the government is able to document your life better and, and collect data on you and your spouse. Why would not only straight people, but gay people want to participate in the government tracking and taking of your money? <laughs> Maybe just, you know, go to your church. Actually, my parents, fun fact, my parents never got a marriage license. They were like, I, I come from like a off the grid hippie background where my my parents were like, screw the government. We're going to we're going to get married ourselves. That's the thing. It's like, why do we why do we need the government's involvement in our marriage to begin with? That's B.S. So my parents, when they got married, they were like, screw it. We're going to get married without the government. And they signed a marriage covenant that they wrote up themselves and, you know, had their families witness and did a whole magical wedding. And the government was 0% involved. And they've never had issues. They, they have, as far as I know, <laughs> they have not had any issues with the government having done that. So... I plan to do the same whenever I get married. You know, I saw this meme that was like, you know, Americans think they're free, but are they free? Because they have to give the government's permission to get married. They have to get the government's permission to go fishing. They have to get the government's permission to drive a car. You know, what's really going on? So I'm not sure why gay people want to subject themselves to um, to the government control system, let alone straight people, because whenever I get married, screw it. Governments, I don't need government's permission. All right. So whatever happens, I say, you can still get married. Screw, screw what the government says. All right. Small government all the way. There's my opinion. All right. So... This all is distracting from huge things happening in our lives right now. Um, one is First Amendment infringement. Okay. The First Amendment infringement is happening hot and heavy right now. And if we lose our ability to freak, speak freely completely, that's, that's 
a huge step in the beginning of the end of our liberty. Oh, I'm going to catch um, super chats as they come. Thanks, Jay, for the super chat. Quote, he's specifically referring to the scope of the 14th. I believe he mentions those rights are better protected through other amendments. Yeah, I think he, Clarence Thomas was talking basically about, or it, maybe it was one of my viewers who, who made that, clarification is that um, Clarence Thomas may have been saying that the law was interpreted in a faulty way and maybe we need to interpret it interpret it through other amendments in other parts of the Constitution. So Clarence Thomas may not be saying that we absolutely have to do away <laughs> with things like gay marriage and gay sex and contraception. But why the heck is he bringing any of this BS up to begin with? Um, it's a humongo distraction um, that's going to get everyone in a tizzy about that while the government is working hard to strip away our freedom to speak and share information freely, our freedom to protect ourselves from the government with weapons, and our freedom to um, actually have some privacy and not be completely tracked by the government. Government has been tracking us um, hard more and more with, you know, a lot, in a lot of ways we don't know. And I'm going to bring up some of the ways that I have discovered that we do know right now. Oh, thank you, CryptoCred, for the super chat. Quote, Ivory, I really appreciate you and your message. Thank you for using your voice for good. You look super pretty today. Love that shirt. Thanks. It's a dress, actually. I appreciate uh, the support. Okay, so let me remind you guys about what's happening with First Amendment infringements. DHS has been... DHS has been on a hard mission to um, track and snuff out speech that it deems threatening. It's had uh, many bulletins um, throughout the course of the pandemic labeling Americans as domestic terrorism threats. Uh, it many In many of the bulletins, it kept bringing, out, bringing up our talk about the election, our talk about the pandemic, whether we are okay with being controlled excessively by the government in regards to the, the pandemic. And if we're not okay with that, we may be a future domestic terror threat. If we are not okay with what went down in the election in 2020, we may be a domestic terror threat. Um, now, uh, you know, they're talking about if we're not okay with what's happening at the southern border, border with Mexico. Um, and if we're getting up in arms about that, we may be a d domestic terrorism threat. Um, all these debacles that are happening right now, if, if we're not just smooth sailing with whatever the government wants to do, we may be a domestic terrorism threat. It's just interesting to me that some of these key issues that DHS says um, may be threats may, are the same issues that social media outlets are snuffing out and censoring. Okay, the White House has talked about how they flag certain content for Facebook. DHS is an arm of the White House. Um, 
So is uh, Jen Psaki gave that away back in July of last year. She said it during one of her White House press briefings. So, so it appears, you know, they haven't been completely forthcoming on this, but it appears that social media outlets and the White and the White House or DHS or, you know, the executive branch of government are working together to censor vast swaths of information, especially in regards to the election and the pandemic. Um, and corporate news journalists are just cool about it. It's horrifying. Um, it's very difficult to talk about certain topics right now um, as our First Amendment rights are being stripped away. Now, that's been happening over the course of the pandemic. Most of us are aware of that level of ratcheted up censorship. But just uh, a couple of months ago in April, 60 nations, uh, 60 of, of the globe's most advanced nations signed a declaration for the future of the Internet. I covered this when it happened. Uh, I feel like few people did cover it. And in that, in that very deceptive declaration that they signed that was there for public viewing, where they talked about their love of free speech and that they wanted to keep the internet free. They mixed in language about snuffing out disinformation in regards to the election and in regards to health threats like pandemics. So this is 60 top advanced nations around the globe, including the U.S. Actually, this was led by the U.S., agreeing to do mass internet censorship and it barely made a single headline. Okay. That is in addition to Obama then doing multiple speeches this year about the need for ratcheted up censorship. I believe this was a week or two ago that Obama uh, spoke in Denmark, I believe it was, on the need for censorship, this after he spoke in California a few weeks before that. Basically, Obama saying that, you know, social media outlets are indeed censoring, but they're not doing enough. We need to snuff out certain people altogether. If we, the elitists in the government, decide that someone is a disinformation spreader, they need to be completely muzzled and no human being should be allowed to hear their words. These are scary things that Obama is saying in a beautiful, flowery way that sends people into a happy little trance under Obama's speech. Um, here's a, a part of what he said in Denmark. Finally, Denmark. If it, as we do all these things, uh, we have to take steps to de detoxify our discourse, particularly the scourge of disinformation and conspiracy theories and hate uh, online that uh, has polluted our political discourse. Uh, now, I spoke at length about this uh, at Stanford University in the spring. I'll just reinforce a few key points. Technology companies have to accept a degree of democratic oversight and accountability. Profit can't be the only driver for platforms who've acquired power that was once reserved for nation states. And while no human endeavor can eliminate human fallibility, uh, we can actually make these things better. 
These technologies and platforms were made by human beings. Human beings can make them work better. And I look forward to doing more work in the months uh, to come to lift up and put forward uh, new ideas around technology and the other areas that I just mentioned. All right. New ideas around technology. He says they need to see some democratic oversight, some uh, government overreach into the technology companies, because right now governments incentivizing and pressuring social media sites to censor is not enough. They're still not censoring enough. If you if you follow a lot of dissenting voices on social media, you know that those voices are still coming through your feed. A lot of them have been censored out and deplatformed, but a ton of them are still on there and their algorithm is high because everyone's sharing them. I know when I share something on Instagram, like, um, I mean, I shared what's, what's really, uh, going on with some bad health outcomes for small children who took the needle in the arm. I spoke in code words like that and actually showed the actual data straight from um, parents submitting the data and their doctors submitting the data to the CDC saying, hey, this happened to my child after they got that needle. So I shared that on my Instagram. I haven't seen any other influencers sharing this information. It's true stuff that's happening. It's, it's registered with the CDC. I dug it up out of the CDC's database, shared some of it on my Instagram. It went, it went crazy. It got shared like thousands of shares. So Instagram has this algorithm where if your post is getting thousands of shares, it's going to go through more people's news feeds. That's what Obama doesn't like. Now, Instagram didn't know that what I was sharing was stuff that Instagram didn't want me to share because I successfully used code words. So this is what Obama is trying to overstep and say, we need to ratchet up the censorship. And, you know, the first time we catch someone like Ivory, because they've caught me before I've, I've received, um, flat, you know, punishments from Instagram, Instagram saying you screwed up, we're going to shadow ban you, or we're going to demonetize you or whatever. That's happened before. And, and they, they put me on like a three month punishment. And then I go back to normal business. Anyway, I think Obama wants to put it. So, Hey, you're deplatformed. Um, but anyway, people like me are continuing to be able to share true, true stories that the government doesn't want you to know. You know, because the same day that I shared that, the White House did a press conference about these needles for babies saying that it was, you know, perfect and wonderful and not mentioning any of these harms that are happening. Here's my thing. As a journalist, you just need you're, – you're free to do whatever you want as long as you know. It's, it's like my duty to say what is, you know, the full story. Okay. So there is this small chance that your baby could die because it's happened to this, this, and this baby. Your baby's face may be paralyzed. It happened in this case as documented by the CDC. But you make your own decision after you know these things. Okay. But that's what Obama is trying to stop from happening, which is a really freaking criminal of Obama and his buddies. And these are the things that nobody's talking about. And Obama, you know, Obama, I think he's out there as the man with the flowery language to warm people up to this idea. Well, the leaders who are in office right now with the power to do so are indeed enacting policies to commit this censorship now. And one of them is, is Kamala Harris, who just 
created this task force um, to prevent online abuse. You know, it sounds lovely, like, oh, the government is going to be out there making sure that no women or LGBT people get bullied online. But what it, what's really happening is the government just announced it's going to ratchet up censorship or it's ratchet up surveillance. You know, if the government is going to catch any time a woman or an LGBT person gets bullied, how does the government track track that? by mass surveillance and then it's going to flag and take that down is that the only thing they're going to be flagging or taking down or are they going to be watching our moves online like never before um i talked about this in one of my podcasts last week i'll play this clip again of what kamala harris said about this online task force and all people deserve to use the internet free from fear. This task force then will tackle a threat that has been far too real for far too many people for far too long. And the recommendations of this group and the extended group of experts and those who have been advocates in this space for so long, the collective work will help modernize the federal government's response to violence against women and people of all genders. It will lead to more evidence-informed policies and interventions, and it will support more federal funding to address online harassment and abuse. Interventions from the government. Oh, yay. But it's it's to get, a, get rid of bullies only, right? Yeah, right. And they've uh, the, the task force includes... Um, People like HHS leaders who are uh, HHS is the umbrella of uh, the FDA and the CDC. Why are the FDA and the CDC involved in online harassment of females and LGBT people? I don't buy that this task force is only going to be looking at that. So um, these are things that should be analyzed and, and, you know, you should be concerned about it. And instead... You know, we're now debating about gay marriage and gay sex when this, I just see this as a way to divide people so so that the elites can conquer us. Because if, you know, Americans get back to the archaic way of, of debating about whether a gay person can marry whoever they want, you know, that's going to completely redivide society. So that the government can just take us over and we'll be so heated debating about that, that we don't realize all of our other freedoms being stripped away. Now, government surveillance is another big thing. DHS, um, they've already made it very clear that they are committing immense social media surveillance. White House talked about flagging things for social media. They're working together. Um, DHS uh, starting that ministry of truth that it did a little bit back and then getting rid of it. Um, the disinformation governance board, you know, that was just the formality that was formalizing what had already been happening and getting rid of the disinformation governance board has not stopped DHS from doing what it's doing. It's still tracking our conversations. Not only that, I've also covered on my show how the CDC has purchased immense amounts of cell phone data to track our every move. Um, 
they wanted apparently to see whether we were social distancing during the pandemic. It is it was watching where everyone went, including whether you're going to church, whether you're going to school, whether you're going in to get a needle in the arm. The CDC was able to track all of these things. We covered it on my show. Uh, we looked at the data. We looked at the mainstream media news coverage of this. It's true. And by the way, this is the same cell phone data tracking. You, you can now, cell phone data has advanced a lot where you can really track um, someone's moves very closely, which is how Dinesh D'Souza's documentary was able to show the screwiness with the election. Okay. Despite all the fact check sites saying that's not true. CDC knows how, how close you, you can track someone. And they've been doing that during, during the pandemic. Um, in addition, you may not know that Walmart and other department stores have been tracking our moves and, and uh, using artificial intelligence to map out our faces through cameras as we enter the store I just did an interview um, in regards to this. I'm going to have it on my uncensored website, ivoryhecker.com. I'm going to be uploading that. Um, they Walmart is actually working with none other than DHS, Department of Homeland Security, the same government agency under Biden that ha- created that disinformation governance board, then got rid of it, but nevertheless is tracking Americans to see if they're domestic terrorists. Why would, gov- why would Walmart be working directly with them um, when Walmart is collecting immense amounts of data through its cameras as we go through the store, as we go through the entry to Walmart. Now, initially it was to identify whether you were a shoplifter, but what are they doing now? Walmart has a special partnership with FEMA as well. What the heck is going on? There's a whole lot more um, surveillance than a lot of us realize. Oh, the other major thing that's happening is Joe Biden signed into law a landmark gun control bill. Okay, I think we've all heard about this. Well, it did indeed go into law Friday, the same day that uh, everyone got their panties in a wad over abortion. Um, our, Our freedom to defend ourselves from the government, that's what the Second Amendment was for. Uh, Second Amendment specifically says our right shall not be infringed. Well, it just got infringed big time on Friday. Um, BBC reporting it. Uh, the most significant U.S. gun control bill in nearly 30 years has been signed into law by President Joe Biden and imposes tougher checks on young buyers and encourages states to remove guns from people considered a threat. Congress approved the legislation with bipartisan support this week following a spate of mass shootings. So they can now remove guns from people that the government decides are a threat. You know who DHS thinks is a threat? People who don't agree with what went down with the the election or people who are actually talking about the evidence associated with anomalies that went down with the election last time around. DHS has said in many bulletins, you may be a domestic terror threat. Okay. So are you going to be allowed to have a gun now? What just got signed into law in the past few days raises huge questions. Um, it, it Also, you know, if you disagree with pandemic restrictions, stay-at-home orders and such, you may be a domestic terror threat, according to DHS. Does that mean you're not allowed to have a gun? 
how many people's guns are they going to snatch away? And I think it's really interesting that the Supreme Court overturned a key uh, gun law at the same time. I think it was just to lull people down and make them a little happier as their guns are taken away because that law in New York that they overturned, it seems it won't mean much with the new laws that just got passed. If, you know, a red flag law that allows you the government to take your gun right back away after you got approved for that permit to have it, why are people celebrating the overturning of that when something worse just got passed as far as I can see? So I don't, I don't know. What's the Supreme Court up to? Is it just helping to play in this creepy game that's stripping, stripping away people's freedoms? What do you guys think? These are strange times. Checking out your comments. I went way too long. I thought I was going to have a short show today. <laughs> um, what's up, guys? Okay, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, giving your feedback. Looks like you guys are fighting in the comment section. <laughs> well, your comments are good for my algorithm. So if you fight, it helps, you know, it helps more people see my videos. So I appreciate that. But just fight, fight nicely and mainly fight the bad guys at the top <laughs> so that we can all be free. All right. With, with that being said, you guys have a good one and uh, we'll probably see you tomorrow. <laughs>